Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. They came back and they were like, honestly, we've noticed a difference. Your health has gotten better. They noticed things that were happening that was better and they didn't know why. So they're like, if this is good for you, we support you. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Thank you for joining us at the Cannamom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. All right, so Dave, last week, the Cannamom Show was nominated as a Best Cannabis Podcast for NECAN, the Boston Cannabis Expo. Yes, we're still celebrating over here. Happening March 18th to 20th, voting open until March 4th. Yeah, get your votes in, everybody. I voted. Vote twice. You can vote more than once, apparently. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I'll keep voting. Vote early, vote off. Vote early, vote off. And that's my motto and tip to O'Neill's. And this week, I was asked to be a speaker. All right. Where at? So, Go at, ahead. At, the, at the expo. So if you want to meet Great. me in person, you can do it Sunday, March 20th at 3 p.m. in Boston, Massachusetts at the Heinz Convention Center. So so cool. Perhaps I will you. drop by, support you. I told my husband it's the last slot of the convention, so I don't think anyone will actually be there, but at least I'll be able to say I talked. But I told him he had to come. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's in <laughs> Boston. It'll be fine. Me, you, and the audience, it'll be awesome. <laughs> He's got to come. Whatever. Maybe I'll have a couple of people. I do a good skit. I just, just me. No slides. Just me talking about me for 40 minutes. You'd love it. It would be something I'm used to for sure. Every week. Yeah, would feel very familiar. Right. Okay. 
And uh, we are busy. We are planning our high tea event, which is scheduled for April 30th in South Boston. It's going to be fun and it's going to launch the first the Canna Mom Show crowdfunding campaign so that we can have a jump start for season four. Excellent. And, and note, so do you remember that quilt I made last year? The women of the yeah. amazing Technicolor cannabis quilt, which I yeah. talked about for months. Right. Of course I remember. I used to hang it up behind me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still love the music. Joseph's brothers want to please with what they saw. <laughs> oh, memories. So we're actually, my friend Jill is going to be transforming, transforming that quilt into a scarf. Mm. So it's going to be something we'll have for our crowdfunding rewards. I think it's going to be pretty awesome because ladies my age, we like scarves. Of, of course. <laughs> it's the yeah. next thing, Dave. And I just want to thank our sponsor today, Plymouth Armor Group, for, for making today's show possible. Awesomeness. All right. So today's guest. Today's guest is the CMO of Event High, an online ticketing platform for cannabis-related events. She also sits on the advisory board for the International Cannabis Business Women Association and is a board member for San Diego Americans for Safe Access. And in 2021, she co-founded Blunt Brunch, an event series empowering and bringing women executives together in the industry to connect, build business relationships, and empower each other through blunt conversations and unique experiences. I cannot wait to attend one. Today's guest's first position in the cannabis industry was as CEO of Direct Cannabis Network, the leading digital business B2B news network highlighting the latest tech, entrepreneurs, and innovative companies in the cannabis industry. And I got to meet her in person at Reno at the Women in Cannabis Expo. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show all the way from Phoenix, Arizona, Adelia Carrillo. Welcome, my friend. Hi, Joyce. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I, yeah, I... Reno was so much fun. I was honored to meet you and, and it brought this all into fruition. <laughs> women connected with women. Okay. I'm just going to jump right in. So you have a background in cannabis business building. Which, <laughs> yeah. So you've seen a lot of crazy. I don't know. I think people know what this is. I'm not sure if they do, but what are some of the obstacles you've encountered building and launching cannabis businesses? I talk a lot about capital access, but there's so many things in this industry. Yeah. Well, the biggest one for us was with my current company. So as a CMO of Event High, we are similar to Eventbrite. We help event organizers process their tickets and sponsorships. And some people may not recognize it or realize it, but even though we're not touching, again, we still have trouble accessing bank accounts and, and processing those funds. However, we were able to solve that with Event High. So Event High, we, we hosted events in, back in 2014, and they were B2B events in the industry. And we actually faced this situation where a, oh, 2014, uh, it was much worse, even it yeah. was much worse. And there was no consumption at this event, though, which was even weirder, though, for the, the platform that we were using, they yeah. ended up freezing our account and holding our funds for like mm-hmm. months on end. Right. And so it kind of brought that our other people dealing with this kind of aha moment. And we found out, yes, event organizers all over, whether it was cannabis, CBD or hemp focused events, they were getting shut. And so it took a lot of time and effort, but we were able to get 
a marijuana related business bank account. Um, Were you in California then or are you always in Arizona? Uh, this was in California. This, yeah. Okay. So, so California. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Partner Colorado Credit Union was doing a, a beta program in California because they're in Colorado. Okay. And so the, we were their first like tech company that they were tr- going to try this out with. They only work with like cash focused businesses usually. And we right. were online. And so luckily it was able to work out. And now four years strong, we've been able to establish, build this relationship with them, build these processes, build these compliant kind of prod protocols so that hopefully this could allow other tech platforms like us a similar opportunity, even with all the hard work you still have to do. <laughs> That's like, okay, I don't, people are, that is like a miracle. What you just said. <laughs> yeah. and again, I talk a lot with women about access to capital. We talk about safe banking. I tell my own story that I'm a podcast, but I am trademarked as the Canon Mom show. I did it intentionally and I could not get a, a bank account for from September of 2019 until March of 2020. It was like the apocalypse. I got the bank account and then the world shut down. But I have a bank account, people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you hold events. So this is a big issue. Social media. It's a, an event issue with marketing. Obviously, this is the banking thing that you seem to have found a solution towards. But what else are you doing in terms of like, I know marketing is a big one for cannabis and what you're doing because you are trying to market events. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's a lot of trial and error, even to this day. And, and now it feels like once you get the rhythm going of like, okay, this works, then they throw something else and you have to redo it. And so the one thing with that event high is we've been able to really build this community and this marketplace. And so we, we do focus more on like our like our internal community. So we'll send our newsletters out. We have private groups online that they can communicate. We share these events. We bring these event organizers on to join us and talk. So we found other ways to like bring them on and still promote these events. I think it's more personalized. I mean, that's kind of what I'm thinking about is we've been forced to kind of come back to basics because we can't use normal ways of advertising. And I, I can't even, I can't even buy an ad. I can't buy an ad to advertise the podcast, but I do talk about podcasts as a very personalized way of marketing something because it feels very familiar. It feels yeah. authentic, right? Yeah. Exactly. So we're going back to sort of like, we're going backwards in a way, but I think it's helping yeah. us. It is. It is. We need that human connection and that touch point, especially after the past two years. Mm. People want to feel connected to a brand before they put money into it. So yeah, podcasts are a great way for brands to get that voice out and, and share their story. For sure. That's, those are some of your workarounds. All right. So you came into this... Um, from business, but you've been doing this for quite a while in the cannabis. So you're one of those specialized people, which I always talk about. If you're going to do anything in cannabis, we're the real world, but everything's a little upside down. So you need somebody special who knows what they're doing, right? I hope. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely been a wild roller coaster. I came from the consumer electronic industry. I was in corporate America and, and that transition was a little tough. It was back then though, it was more tough on like the, the friends, like letting your professional network know that you were going into this space. That yeah, was so really- like, oh, so what is your story? I don't like, what's your can of story? So you, you've been in this industry for a while and you were in California to begin with, right? But now you're yep. in Arizona. Okay. Yeah. So what's yeah. Your- Majority of the canna- my cannabis story started in California. Uh, we just moved to Arizona, but so I was in the consumer electronic industry and, and building my career there. I, I did run into some health complications. I, I, I had some pregnancy issues and, and had to have surgery. And so that led to a, a health component and me trying to figure out how to work on my health, both physically and emotionally after going mm-hmm. through that. And my fiance mentioned trying cannabis. He said, it's better than the pharmaceutical medication that I was taking because it wasn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like how it made me feel. I just didn't like anything about it and kind of 
brought me over to that. And, and like, I tell this part, cause I think a lot of people that maybe haven't smoked cannabis since like maybe high school or something, it, you look back and you're like, I'm just going to get the munchies. I'm going to get the munchies and laugh. What is it really going to do? I mean, but laughter is good, but I, I did, I was naive. I had that kind of thought process, but I was willing to try anything. And I, I started seeing a lot of medicinal benefits right away. And then that transitioned into figuring out how can I be a part of this industry, but bring my own skill sets here. That's the story I keep wanting to share though. It's that these yeah. women are staying in a little bit differently because with women I meet, almost everyone has healed themselves or healed someone they love. They recognize that and they stay in this crazy, just ridiculously complicated business because they're kind of evangelized and they know how important it is that others know this too. But I think mm-hmm. it's very powerful. It's a very powerful motivator to kind of keep you going. <laughs> and the it men, is. a lot of the men, I mean, again, it's about capital. Some of the men coming in and trying to do what, just like a business, treating it like a business. And it's just a different motivation. Yeah, it you is. Know? It definitely is. We have that connection. All of us do have some sort of story, whether it's our personal journey, it's a friend, it's a family member, something has brought that like kind of com- connection to us. And that's why we all are here. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. So, all right. So you're just, what year is this that you're deciding you want to work in canvas? So that was, oh my gosh, seven years ago now. So I'm horrible at math. I, I, I mean, I just, I try to keep these timelines because this is all very new. That's the other thing people forget. Like my cannabis awakening was in 2016. It's not that long ago. And so much has changed since then. But that's the thing that it's, it is dog years though. Like that's it's, what it feels like for all of us. So yeah, I like I've been doing this for a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I always say my mother thought I was going into like a drug cartel I was very worried when I said I was going to be doing this. How did your family react to you? Were you, I mean, you're in California. I know there's a lot of open cannabis families in California, not so much in Massachusetts back in the day. So how'd it go? Um, well, so yes, we're in California, but my mom worked for the district attorney's office and my oh. dad was a, was a sheriff. So, and a cop and then sheriff. So it was so tough. It was, it was, I hid it. I actually hid it from them. And one day I, I didn't realize my parents followed me on LinkedIn and I updated my LinkedIn profile and I get a phone call and, and it clicked. I'm like, oh my gosh, they must've seen something. I didn't answer it right away. Even to this day as an adult, I was scared of my parents. And then, so like a couple hours later, I call and I was like, hi, um, so I made this transition <laughs> in my career. Um, Were but, they open? Are they worried? Were they, what do they think? So I, the thing was, they came back and they were like, honestly, we have, we've noticed a difference. We've noticed that your health has gotten better and we didn't know oh. why. So like they noticed things that were happening that was better and they didn't know why. So they're like, if this is good for you, we support you. Again, that's the story. It's like, it opens you up. It's, it's, it's a micro macro thing. Each person can see one person they love healing and it opens up that little crack and they're like, well, maybe it isn't really that dangerous. Maybe what I know might not be possibly could not be right. You know what I mean? It's a crack. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good story. That's funny. Yeah. So, <laughs> so have you been able to convince your family to use products to help them? With- so we're on topicals. They, they do like the topicals and the creams. My, my dad had an experience where he, where he got crossfaded. He was drinking margaritas and he tried an edible. And I was like, no, we, we you don't do that. <laughs> but so we backed him up and now he's just focused on, on tinctures, but my mom, she likes CBD. She did. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just, again, my, my, age range, women and older, and my own mother. My mother would, I couldn't convert my mother, but I know that it's so healthy and so important. It's a, it's a good alternative to other medications, which I think older generations are starting to come to. I mean, the guys and women who smoked in the 60s are a little open to it. 
I think the whole, my generation was a little bit younger and we were on the edge of dare. We weren't quite dare, but we still grew up in prohibition. It was still dangerous. So it wasn't something, it just wasn't in my realm of reality, but I know it's good. And my kids all know they're excited when I had a transfer of emotions, when I told them that I was wrong, when I told them when they were teenagers, hey kids, anything I know about cannabis is wrong, changed everything. Okay. All right. So that's your family. So, all right. You are a role model to many like-minded cannabis entrepreneurs. Obviously, um, women are still, women in this industry still hold a minority of leadership positions. We all know that, which is frustrating. And what are you looking at to increase women leadership in the emerging industry? Because that's what you're doing. You're building, bringing us together. Sorry, say that again. So, so, so how are you seeing this? How do you see like your role in helping to up the numbers of women leadership? Because we exist, obviously. You're bringing us together. But how do we become what is happening? Like, it's still frustrating me. Why are we not running this industry? Exactly. (laughs) What what do we have to do next? What do you think? (laughs) The one thing that I'm seeing transition, especially we have with the launch of Blunt Brunch with me and my business partner, Prisa, we've we've seen that we're starting to make a a small impact. But what I'm really starting to notice and recognize is other organizations like WEIC, they are bringing all of us together. And that's really what is going to change us. If all of these organizations can communicate and collaborate and, and show that we can all do this together, I feel like that's more powerful, again, in a, in a larger scope. And, and that's what it's going to have to take. And so with these other organizations, we always have to continue to think about collaboration and, and not look at it necessarily as, oh, they might be a competitor or they might be doing something similar than me. The bigger vision is what is our mission and all of our missions are to make a difference and empower and impact women. So we all need to make sure we, we recognize that and, and continue to look at ways to collaborate. And it is a different leadership style. Again, I come from the law world. I was a family law attorney for some time. I wasn't very nice. You can't be nice to each other. You're literally told not to be nice to each other. (laughs) I mean, do you know what I mean? And this idea that you would collaborate is almost unheard of. So it's a mindset. It's truly a mindset and like how you function in the world of work. But what I will say is that the, you don't have to be miserable all the time. Like that's what work felt like. It felt like I just had to be out there and grinding and be competitive and be angry because I was in a man's created world, really like literally, and I never fit in. And I just always felt like I just wasn't good enough. But now I know that's like, so not true. Yeah. And that we're literally like a generation of exceptional human beings and that our vulnerabilities, our ideas, our willingness to like be honest, do you know? Yeah. It can still be powerful and honest. You don't always have to have that facade. I, I think it's, um, I mean, it's obviously the cannabis is a big part of it, but it's that whole mindfulness and business. And it's just a transformation of how we exist. That's how it feels to me. Mm-hmm. And we can have, I went into this for money. I'm always upfront about that. And we, there's, not like we're all like in this for, well, everyone is, but the love, kindness, wisdom, and hope is awesome. But this is an industry where we are thinking of women building generational wealth. Yeah, exactly. So, so we should be leading it. We should. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We ha- I don't uh, I still don't have the answer to that. I, I'm hoping one day I'll wake up and like, or all of us will wake up and be like, okay, this is how we do it. And, but it is to keeping these other, these larger companies accountable and making sure that they are empowering their employees equally and right. making sure there are women in leadership positions. They have to give them a seat at the table too. It's, it's, and I think that's again, going back to how you're stating, like this industry is different and we are not afraid to speak up and it does, the, the community as a whole does come together and I don't want to say call out businesses, but in a way, do put a little fire under them to say this, there's needs to be a change. And again, I will say I'm 56. I'm a woman of a certain age. I was generally the only woman in the room, like at certain levels. I got a seat at the table just because I had the law degree. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the women who succeeded in my generation had to 
had to abide by the men's rules or they couldn't succeed. And now they have leadership, like they are leaders in finance, they are leaders in policy and health and all these things. But we need the women, other other women coming up to remind us that that is not the only way to be a leader. I think that's very important that we call each other out. And it's almost, I don't know, I do this coffee and cannabis morning thing. And we talk about calling each other out gently and reminding each other that we all have different perspectives and that our goals are similar. Yeah. And that we're trying to work together. And when we start competing with each other, what did she say? Girls compete, uh, women collaborate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I'm glad you even state that though, and how you have this conversation, because that's the thing we should, I I don't know where that transitioned over the years of where, where we have to step on, on kind of like eggshells now with days with people. There's a way to say things and communicate, but also respect each other's different opinions. And I feel like it has kind of left it's not as common so i'm glad like there's discussions and and planting that communication still out there and recognizing that there are different ways to live in the world again there have been sort of structures that have been set up that we women have been we've walked into this is kind of how i think of it so my mother's generation told knew how hard it was to succeed in a man's world but they just told us we could do it so we did it we just went out and got our degrees and we did our things because we thought it was all fine because our mother told us but nothing had changed and then we went into the world of monetized work. We we're also mothers and caregivers and none of the rules changed. Like none of the rules changed. And then we just accommodated ourselves to it. Like I took the bar pregnant and I passed, but I wasn't the only one. So it was like a whole, we just did this. We like normalized it or the men normalized it in a way that was just absurd. And we couldn't succeed because it was possible. Mm-hmm. But I am hoping what happens next is that we're like, okay, women are caregivers. It's awesome. Humans are caregivers the structures that are set up just really don't fit us. How can we do something different? Which is partly, I mean, the pandemic has been traumatic, but to prove that you can do your job at home. Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest thing for me. They told me I could not do my job at home. Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) And now, so you know what I mean? Like we're, we're building a new business in a new era where we can have new ideas of how we treat each other in business. I think that's the exciting part. And we never get to be part of something new ever, ever. No. Well, even the concept of, of how we live is different. I, I saw an article where it's saying like now even like friends are buying these huge, beautiful homes as they're getting older to live together, which just it's just uh, everything's changing and it does. It starts to open new doors and, and just it has to make all these other. It's a, it's a trickling effect where other areas of your life will start to change and, and modernize, I guess you could say. That's a good way. And, and again, it's like one step at a time, one step at a time. We're, we're in this spot already when we it took us a while to get here. So I do think we're making progress and we just have to keep no time to rest. We just keep doing it right. Just keep <laughs> moving forward. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's get back to event high. Um, so we talked a little bit about what makes it special. What types of events are you promoting now? And I know I'm having one in Boston, so maybe I should put it up there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We'd love to work with you. So we have all different types of, of cannabis experiences that we see on Event High. What's exciting is we're starting to see more events start to pop back up because things have started to progress. The past two years has been obviously the roller coaster. We've been on it too as an event tech platform, but we're seeing a lot less, we're seeing a lot less virtual, but they're not going anywhere. There's still going to be a lot of virtual events from a, a ease of attendance standpoint. You can do view it from everywhere to even getting a bigger audience and allowing for the sponsors to get more exposure. So I think that's good. I'm glad that virtual events aren't going to go anywhere, but we are starting to see more in-person events come back and those are looking like festivals or retreats or intimate dinners. There's been a definite more push on these intimate gatherings. 
I think, mm-hmm. again, from a comfortable standpoint, some people are not ready to go to these larger events yet, but they're, yeah, they're all different and unique. We have the Cannabis Wedding Expo coming up. I love that. I saw that. I came actually, I went to the one in Boston with Vanessa. That was so fun. I've actually been to it twice. It's a good oh. event. Yeah. They, they do it in Cambridge for some reason. I can actually walk to it. So I'm like, of course I'll come. <laughs> wow. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so that's a great event. And the first time yes. I went, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but it is just beautiful. It's just how to use hemp and infuse foods and the flower and even bongs as centerpieces. I mean, it just yeah. had some really beautiful ideas and had some ladies walking around in their dresses. It was really fun. Even, yeah, I think the some of the dresses might even be made out of hemp clothing, if I recall. I don't know if it's that's, the same vendors, but. Yeah, I, I think it depends on the, the city, what they have, but yeah, I just, it's a fun event. So that's fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So they get, they get creative. That's what I commend event organizers. They create these unique experiences and really get creative. There's one more I wanted to just announce is coming up. It's taco and bingo night to raise funds for an autism foundation. So it sounds a little fun. I'm like, okay, tacos and bingo. Why not? (laughs) They do it for a good cause. That's hysterical. And I saw that on March 13th, I think I saw there was some, a high tea because I was looking at other high teas that are going on in uh so this is oh, a good idea. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I know when you said hi tea, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see the photos of your, your guests, hopefully in like little tea hats and maybe for the gentleman pop, like, what is it called? The Mad Hatter hat. The, to- the topper hat. Yeah. Like topper the Gilded hat. Age. Yeah. I've been watching yeah. the Gilded Age. So I've been following you and I see some of my friends are going to your blunt brunches, which are they just in California? Where are you hosting? So initially we launched it in Arizona. Literally, yeah. So we we had it in Arizona. We hosted one during Cannabis Week in, in Vegas last year, but this year we're traveling. So we have one coming up in Chicago, uh, California, doing one more in Arizona and then ending again in Vegas during Cannabis Week. Okay. Um. So how did you come up with this idea and what happens at these? so it was very organic honestly I I was moving to Arizona I knew a couple ladies here and I reached out to my friend Parisa and I was just like I would love to meet some more women it's kind of hard with it being COVID and right away she's like yes let's do it we'll schedule like a you know coffee or something and it turned into a brunch and so we had ladies come. It was just, again, we, we got a couple gift bags because we wanted to thank them for coming. And they all just had like, we all just had light appetizers, coffee and some stuff. And then we had just a really good conversation and we all left. And it was literally as we were driving back home, she called me and we we're like, wow, that was amazing. That was something that I needed. And she was like, I'm getting text messages. They all love it. They want to do it again. And so it literally transformed into Blum Brunch. And what I know the name says blunt and, and what we really highlight is, is actually the blunt conversations because we don't, the, the events aren't focused around consumption. We go to regular, regular restaurants and we bring these women together and we sit down for brunch and we have a conversation, whether it's about imposter syndrome, maybe raising capital, the similar things that we just need that we are either faced with as a challenge or, or even as a, an accomplishment. So we just have these conversations in safe space where they can talk about it because not everything can be talked about with, with your team or, or with maybe your male colleagues. And so, yeah, there's that. And then we have our social, which is more of an activity event. So that's where the high tea thing came in. Or we, last month we did selfie world. We went to a place and we, it's called selfie world and you get to go and just take selfies. They have all these activations. And so all these women, 
in. Like we're all ages, all ages, all diversities. We all came in, we took over the place and we're all doing selfies. It was cute. It was the cutest thing. Like, That's I'm so like, nice to be human together. Like, yes. I just feel like, I feel like my clubhouse friends are really my friends, but I do have actual human friends out there who I could <laughs> take a selfie with. Yeah. So it was fun. Oh my God, that sounds great. All right, so I do have to take a break. Uh, we'll be back with our guest, Adelia Carrillo, right after our message from our sponsor, Plymouth Armor Group. Today's show is made possible with the support of our sponsor, Plymouth Armor Group. Plymouth Armor Group is New England's leading cannabis and cash transporter. They are laser-focused on security, compliance, and trust. Plymouth Armor Group is building a professional service organization run by professionals. Their people, their technology, their risk mitigation program, their geographic reach, and their approach to doing business serves as the benchmark in the cannabis industry. Plymouth Armor Group embraces the notion that anything worth doing is worth doing well, so they have invested in the right people, the right technology, and the right risk mitigation program to create a truly unique and much-needed service offering in our emerging cannabis industry. Plymouth Armor Group is proudly run by a female-led executive team, and their diverse and talented staff bring years of collective experience in cannabis, security, banking, and transport. If you're a cannabis professional looking for transport solutions, please visit their website, PlymouthArmorGroup.com slash TheCannamom to take advantage of a special offer just for our listeners. Thank you, Plymouth Armor Group. All right, we are back. Let's see, Adelia, what is the International Cannabis Business Women Association? So the ICBA is an organization that launched in California. And, and again, it's more for empowering women, but from a business perspective, of a variety of different ways. So maybe it's more from the beginning phases of your business, the infancy and helping get your things organized. I mean, they don't do that for you, but it's about bringing women together and getting professionals who can help these women to do that. They are still kind of in its infancy, but they are, they have, they're building a database of women, not just in California, but globally. They actually have some board of advisors who are outside of the U.S. as well, just to kind of, again, connect the pieces of building this community for women. Their focus, it does, you know, say more international. So again, it's, it's kind of catering to all of that, but it's still in its infancy. And I think I'm not the best one to speak on it. I'm just glad to be a board of advisor to give advice. And they, they just, it's a place for me to volunteer and, and kind of, give back yeah. from what I've learned in the past few years. Which is exactly <laughs> what it is. It's just speaking with women. It's like, but it's a butterfly effect. I, I talked to women in Canada and I've had an Israeli on here. So I'm international. Wait, yeah. this is international. This, again, this story, the story of cannabis is wrong and it's spread around the world and has caused a lot of damage in every single country, everywhere. Yeah. So it's coming back. I think, again, caregivers should be leading this industry because this is a caregiving plant and every place around the world there are caregivers who are speaking up and saying this is this is not it is not what we were told and we're going to fight for it because we know it's good for us yeah so anyways we're coming together we're all here yes yeah I was actually I was watching the view this is kind of off topic but the view yesterday with Whoopi Goldberg and the ladies and Whoopi Goldberg obviously is a cannabis person but they still joke about it like they're a national voice and they still joke about like what cannabis is because they're talking about the Russian doping situation Versus the woman who, the runner who was told she couldn't, who wasn't be able to be in the Olympics last summer. Yep. Yeah. And the difference between that and like how irrational and weird it is, but they still joke about cannabis. They're like, oh, we know what be doing your thing. And I'm like, you have to have a professional come on and talk about this. This is health and wellness 
for women, you have an enormous platform. You're yes. still misinforming people. So I always send out messages. They never get back to me. Get back <laughs> to me. I watch every single day. I'm happy Whoopi's back. But let's talk about cannabis like grown up women so we can help each other. Yes. That's my message to the view if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Contact Joyce. We're waiting. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so you're in Arizona. So you've seen the difference. California and Arizona. Very uh, different. So um, yeah. just, I don't know. Do you want to talk about some of the top three things you've seen that are different that it might be better in Arizona or worse in Arizona? Or I don't know. Yeah. California is its own special weird world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing too. Living in California, I always knew we were in a, in a California cannabis bubble. Like I, I would recognize that. I knew that. But I never recognized it as much until I actually moved out. And yeah, there there are definitely lots of challenges in California and, and a lot of brands are, are doing what they can to survive. But what, when it came to moving to Arizona, it was almost like going back to the 2014 of how California was. Going to events, it's, it's, they still have that medical component. So you get samples. It's, it's easier for brands to, to, to give out samples. And they also have the, they're vertically integrated here. So it is an interesting concept on and how they move things. They don't have as many licenses they as as California. So oh, I went back up so that I know in Massachusetts our medical dispensaries had to be vertically integrated, but our adult use are not. Are all of them out there are vertically integrated? From what I from what wow. I understand, I could be wrong though. I'm still trying to dive into this. And so, but what I some of the challenges I've seen are for some of these smaller brands because yeah. they, they have to utilize these the license holders and it can be competitive price. The, the pricing can can get pretty high up there, which makes it really challenging for some of these brands. From what I've heard, some of them are paying anywhere from fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars a month in just the facility. And, and, and that's tough, if, especially if you're a smaller business. So mm-hmm. I know there's lots of really good distribution companies out there who are trying to empower these brands and, and still bring them a space and allow them an opportunity, which is great to have that here in Arizona. But th- I would say there, there are those kind of challenges still, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a, again, this, is, this comes back to government. This comes back to policy. I don't know how involved you are out there, but the idea that this is so very local, it's not just state local it's community local it's city and town ordinance local because half the cities in california don't even have cannabis right i don't Uh, there's some crazy number right yeah yeah that they don't and majority of them don't even allow cannabis events so so the the bc well what is it called now the they changed the name of the bcc but but that that organization they even created a ceo license in california which is a cannabis event license and yet you're not allowed in majority of counties to host cannabis events. So it's like these people are paying, but yet they have nowhere to go and host these licensed events. So that is a strange little, actually, can, let's go back to events because this is one of the things. So I've been to like expos and things, but you can't consume. There's no place to consume. Like at the Heinz convention, the one in Boston, they all just stand out front and smoke in front of the Heinz. I, <laughs> yeah. And the majority been, of conferences, I feel like everybody finds somewhere outside. <laughs> like, there they go. It's just like being in high school again. Yeah. Uh, but I do know I've been to like, even at the Women in Cannabis Expo, they served alcohol at the, the gala at the night. But if I wanted to smoke, I had to go to the back and sit on the fire stoop like I was in high school. It's ridiculous. So what are you seeing? Is there any places that you can actually consume or what is going on in, I guess, California and Arizona? I don't know which counties you want to talk about. Which well, Arizona, I'll, I'll chat more about Arizona because I was actually okay. very impressed. So Arizona, they already have a cannabis hotel here. And I heard so, about that because I'm going to be in Arizona. I'm going to be yeah, in Tucson visiting my daughter. And I'm like, 
where can you consume in Arizona? <laughs> well, that'll be so good. Yeah. Okay. Let me know when you're coming. Cause there's quite okay. a few things. And, but yeah, there's, it's called the Claridon hotel and it's a cannabis friendly hotel. So you could also, the top level of their rooms are cannabis friendly. So you can smoke in the, those specific rooms or they have a rooftop that's for cannabis events to consume, or you go up there as the guest and you can smoke cannabis, your cannabis. Then they also have a cannabis lounge, I guess you would call it. It's, it's, it's a membership based. So locals can, because of Lent, all, all these ordinances, you can't smoke in maybe their condos or apartments. So this hotel has a, a, a room, a lounge where you can get a membership and now come and consume your cannabis there. Yeah. And they have like TVs, games, like they, they bring a pod, they actually bring a podcast show in and then they have some like guests and musicians and stuff. So it's, it's, that was really cool. I'm getting the chills. I'm like, I yeah. have to go here. Is that in yeah. Phoenix? Where is That's that? in Phoenix. So that one's in Phoenix. You definitely okay. have to check that out. And then you said Tucson, there's a, a group called Canna Friends. So I want to see if it aligns with your schedule. That would be a good networking event to it. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, that'd be fun. That's hysterical. All right. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So you can, cause I know that they're talking about in, um, like in uh, Reno or Nevada, you can mm-hmm. smoke everywhere. Like that's kind of the issue with most of these states. Like you can't, you literally cannot smoke anywhere in Massachusetts. Yeah. And I know with New York, they're talking about doing cannabis. You can consume cannabis anywhere. You can smoke cigarettes, which oh, is something. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I know in the casinos in Las Vegas, everyone's smoking cigarettes inside, but you cannot yeah. smoke cannabis inside. Right. Well, so there's this thing that just came out. We were reading about it. It's in Canada and it's an airport and they're going to allow a cannabis shop in the airport. But what the reason I bring this up though, is the consumption way. So they said that if once it gets approved, they're not going to bring the can smokers with the cigarette smokers. So they will have two separate areas now, but I mean, the first part is, wow, it's at a cannabis. I mean, it's at an airport that this is moving forward in something like that. Honestly, I don't want to be with tobacco smokers. I don't want <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the same thing with Reno. I wrote the same thing. I went outside and I'm like over here and it's all the cigarette smokers too. I'm like, I don't really want to smell this while I'm enjoying this. <laughs> it was you know, like my husband. So we show up, whatever. So this is off topic. People, you don't have to keep listening, but it, we show up <laughs> and uh, I didn't know what to do. So I made him go out to the front. It was kind of a busy hotel. And like underneath the neon sign with like literally like the homeless men across the street, just hanging out on the sidewalk. And I'm like, this is not that comfortable, honey. Yeah, <laughs> This is not my vibe right now. <laughs> How I feel about this. I would love to go someplace that's, that's nice. Cause it's terrible to feel like you're like doing something wrong. It's exactly. really weird. Yeah, it is. But one other thing with California, I, we're definitely going to start to see more lounges. They're in they're in LA, but I'm starting to see, we were starting to follow it and there's a lot more that are starting to pop up or be built out. So there'll start to be more areas in California. I mean, I just keep thinking back to alcohol. Like we didn't go through all this trauma with alcohol. I, I'm sure they just like legalized it and the world just exploded and there was alcohol everywhere. <laughs> we're so weirdly cautious with cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm like at grocery stores, you, you know, I see it getting more and more like reachable where even kids could grab these like little shots of alcohol and, but yet they're so scared about, yeah, the cannabis component. And it's like, look, we have it locked up or have it in these special areas, like in these special businesses. Like, yeah, it's, it's just interesting to me. Whatever. We're about, you know, we're always afraid of the things we can't, I don't know. We're always afraid of the wrong things. I think that's, that's what I learned as a parent. This is like all the things I locked up or put away or tried to protect. That, my kids weren't interested. They found something new and novel that I couldn't have even thought of. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 
kind of what it feels like with cannabis. I keep trying to protect people from something that doesn't even need to be protecting from. And they're causing a lot of like chaos, which is kind of goes back to politics. Like who's whispering in the ears of the politicians. Um, I I joke out here. So a woman named Maura Healy is running for governor of Massachusetts. And I went to law school with her. So I keep reaching out to her office. Like you need a cannabis policy advocate. Reach out. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is for real. This is cannabis touches everything. This criminal justice. Yeah. I mean, your mother, she's working for the district attorney. I mean, this must just be blowing her mind, but it's the truth of it. I have law school, people from my law school are actually getting to that level now in their fifties. And I had someone running for DA out here and she was willing to come on the podcast and talk about cannabis in a normal way, not like in a criminalized way, which is a huge shift, mm-hmm. such a huge shift. And district mm-hmm. attorneys have so much power. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. great. That's I think that's a, when the benefit you, you you are bringing into this industry is because you have that law degree. So you have these connections. So you can be that person that can go to this person running and saying like, hey, I'm over here. If you ever want to talk like it's legit. Easy. Yeah. in my pearls and my whatever, play my tennis. I am really out here talking about it all the time. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so fun. All right. So what is happening? Uh, we talked a little bit about some of the live events, but what's happening with you? Are you speaking anywhere? Are you traveling? Are you what are you doing out there? So we have our Blunt Brunch, as I mentioned, we're going to Chicago. And so before that, I'll actually be heading to Mar- to Chicago in March to speak at, it's called Tony P's Networking Event. They're a, a very big organization in Chicago. They host really cool networking events for, for all sectors, not just cannabis, but even real estate and business as a whole. So I'll be speaking there. And I, I haven't put too much fillers out yet to speak at any other, other big events yet. Right now, what we've been focused on here at Event High is we are moving from public beta to releasing our first version of non-beta Event High. So that's been our main focus and driver. Um, and it's coming in weeks. We're going to be able to release it. And I'm just, I'm maybe happy. We can do it like when we put the podcast out, maybe it'll be ready. That'll be yeah. awesome. All right. Yeah. And what's the other question I had? Oh, are you coming to Boston ever? Any plans? I, that blunt is brunch? on my map. I want to. Yes, it's on my mind. I'm not too sure yet. I don't know if it'll be with Blunt Brunch, but definitely with me somehow. You guys have a lot of amazing conferences out that way. And I, I definitely want to make my way out there this year. Once I week. mean, you have to make it to New York. I just, I can't even understand really what's going in New York. It's going to change yeah. everything. Like it's been Massachusetts and then it was like Maine and Vermont. And it's pretty small out here. All of our states could fit into Arizona, basically. <laughs> but now <laughs> we have New York and New Jersey. And I know some of the ladies who are advocating at policy levels, what's the medicinal, we, we start to lose track of the medicinal and the fairs that this will become all business, which um, we have to remember this again, cannabis, it's about balance. So I know a lot of the women out there who are really fighting for the medicinal part of it, because again, they were healed or healed someone they love and they're not going to let, they're not going down. They're going to, they're going to keep fighting and they just keep talking, which is how we're going to get the politicians ears. That's good. Well, yeah, I mean, look at California. The whole time, as soon as we went recreational, the the medical patients got lost. They got lost. And now people are trying to put these components back together to give back to the medicinal uh, patients. But hopefully a lot of people can learn what not to do by looking at California. Which is in theory why we do have, we, as long as we have our democracy, I keep saying that, keep voting. We are learning from each other. We're still one country. We can learn from each other. No one has the rest answer. California's got its own issues, but they can't went first. So they were trying a lot of things and we can see that it's nothing to be afraid of. No. But and they're now that. trying to undo their wrongs. They are. So they are, they're lowering the taxes. I saw that. Like I listened to a state of cannabis. Those are all California people. And they were talking about how the cities are starting to lower their taxes, which will help these businesses. Yeah. 
It's huge. Yeah. Oh, wait. All right. This was so fun. So Delia, what is the best way for people to connect with you, reach you? They want to connect with Event High. Yeah. So if you want to check out our marketplace, you can go to eventhigh.io and hi is H-I, like hi, hello. You can also connect with me on Instagram or, or Facebook or Twitter. I'm at Miss Adelia and Event High is also at, it's at eventhigh.io on Instagram as well. So definitely reach out, send us a DM or email and we would love to connect. Awesome. And it'll be in the show notes because that is what we do. Mm-hmm. All right. So another show. So for my guest, and my Canna bro, David Yaz, and our Canna Mom Show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for subscribing and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this industry so that together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canna Mom Show. And we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.